This is a Courageous Church podcast, equipping and empowering you to live a courageous life. Join us now as we listen to a message from Courageous Church in Salt Lake City, Utah. The title of my message is Walking Through the Open Door. Say open door. 37 years ago to this day, my wife's family began to pray for open doors. They began to pray for open doors here in Utah. And the Lord answered that prayer by bringing them from Colorado to Utah 37 years ago. Do we have that picture? Let's put it up. And what's really neat is that this photo popped up on my um, iPhoto or my my photo app this week, which is kind of random. We've been praying for open doors. And here's an article that Candace's dad wrote for the newspaper 37 years ago. And what's really neat is that it highlights what we believe was and is an open door in Salt Lake City from the Lord. And what's really cool is that they began to pray this prayer and the Lord answered it by bringing them to Utah. Some of you that aren't from Utah, uh, maybe you don't know this, but uh, there, there aren't a lot of Christian churches here, uh, not in comparison to, say, other parts of the nation. I think as evangelicals, I mean, Pastor Keith could probably back me up on this, we represent less than 3% of the population in all of Utah, uh, which is pretty small in comparison to other places that you might live. And so the need has been tremendous here uh, over the years, and God in his faithfulness, God in his providence, set before my wife's family an open door, and they walked through it. What is the biblical precedent for God opening and closing doors? I want to begin there tonight so that you don't think this is just some weird message that Pastor Jason came up with to justify the move that we're about to make. Jesus tells the church in Philadelphia that it is he, Jesus, the the risen Christ, who sets before us, the church, open doors. I want you to listen to the language of Revelation chapter 3, verses 7 through 8. Here's what it says. To the angel or messenger of the church in Philadelphia write, These are the words of him who is holy and true. Who is holy and true? Jesus. It's the Sunday school answer that is always right. He who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds, he goes on to say. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. Ultimately, we have to have a conviction that it is the Lord who opens doors that no man can shut and closes doors that no man can open. Listen to this language as it is seen here in Revelation, as it was in Isaiah chapter 22. It's echoed in Isaiah 22, verse 22. It says this, And I will place on his shoulder the key of the house of David, once again, prophetically speaking of Jesus, and he shall open and none shall shut. Does it say that some... Does it say that a few will? No, none shall shut and he shall shut and none shall open. So once again, we see it here, Isaiah twenty two twenty two. We also see it echoed throughout the rest of the New Testament and other places of the Bible where Paul would pray that God would open doors. Okay, maybe you're not familiar with the Apostle Paul, but Paul was once Saul who persecuted and came against the work of Christians, all right? So God grabbed a hold of his heart. 
radical change, radical transformation. He goes on to plant churches and he goes on to do so based on the leading of the spirit, taking him out in search of open doors. And I want you to see the way that he prayed here with the church in Colossians chapter four, verses two through three. It says this, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. So over these last 30 days, we've tried to continue steadfastly in prayer and fasting, being watchful and rejoicing with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word, for the preaching of the word, to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison. So Paul, we know from history, experienced great persecution, great hardship on behalf of his taking seriously the commission to go into all the world and to preach the good news, to preach the gospel. And here he is admonishing his church to pray for him and his ministry partners, those that would go with him all throughout Asia Minor, to, to preach the mystery of Christ, to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which he is in prison right now. Okay, so we see how God did just that, how God actually would go on to open doors for Paul and the early Christians. Let's, let's look at 1 Corinthians. Here's a great example, chapter 16, verses eight through nine. But I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost for a wide door for effective work has opened to me and there are many adversaries. And there are many adversaries. Side note, just because God opens a door doesn't mean that there won't be opposition to it in your life and in our life. How many of you guys have found that to be true? Absolutely. This is why we have to do what he just encouraged the Colossians to do which is to remain alert and watchful and continue steadfastly in prayer. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12. It says this, When I came to the city of Troas to preach the good news of Christ, to preach the gospel, the Lord opened a door of opportunity for me there. Uh, how about Acts 14, verse 27? And when they arrived and gathered the church together, they declared all that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. At the same time, we also see where God not just opened doors, but also closed them. Acts chapter 16 is a great picture of this. Probably one of the all-time best displays of when God says no. Check it out. And they, meaning Paul and Silas, at this point, Silas had joined Paul in his missionary journeys, went throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. Some people go, well, like, aren't we supposed to go everywhere? Yes, everywhere that the Holy Spirit permits. All right, that was what we saw here. So the Holy Spirit doesn't allow them to go into Asia at this time. Now, we don't know the reasons why, but God did. God understood maybe the timing Maybe the location, maybe he understood what, was, what they were up against. God could see things that maybe they can't. Now, how many of you are thankful that God can see a little further down the road than you can? And a little further, I'm, I'm, I'm being very, uh, uh, very uh, uh, facetious. He could see a lot further, amen? And it says this, and when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, 
but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So in case there was any confusion as to who the Holy Spirit is, it's the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of Jesus. They are one and the same. And the Spirit did not allow them. So here's another, op- here's another uh, moment where they were being bold and audacious in their faith, and they were being obedient to go into all the world, and yet God limited the scope of their boundaries, of their ministry, of where they were supposed to go and not go. Now, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that there aren't going to be moments in your life where God asks you to go somewhere and it's hard. The truth is, it's going to be hard. There's going to be opposition. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that following Jesus is easy. You guys that know me know that I am a firm believer in the fact that following Jesus is sometimes difficult. It sometimes brings about more trouble and chaos and storms and craziness in your life. You guys believe me on that? But how many of you guys know that following Jesus, by following the Holy Spirit, that you will never have to doubt whether or not God is leading you somewhere or he isn't. Now, for some of us, we decide to take matters in our own hands sometimes, and we try to kick down doors that the Lord hasn't opened. Or we try to cram our foot in the door, right? We try to make it happen. And sometimes God in his graciousness allows us to experience the consequences of that so that we can learn from our mistakes, so that we can learn from our errors. But more times than not, he's such a good father that sometimes what feels like resistance is actually protection. And I think that we have to be careful sometimes that when we don't get what we want, that we don't rush out to blame the devil. Oh, it's the devil's fault. I'm just being resisted on every side. Maybe. Or maybe God's protecting you. Maybe God's trying to steer you in a different direction. I can say this. As a church, through the past few years, we have felt the correctional, guiding hand of the Lord in everything that we've done. We've also experienced where there's been clear no's, where where opportunities have come, and God has closed the door and said, no, Jason, I don't want you to walk through that door. I don't want you to go there. And and sometimes it's it's easy to kind of take it personal, like, huh. Why, God? You know, that looks so awesome. From the outside, from the exterior, from the appearance of things, many of us kind of like judge our lives and we judge opportunities. But we're so thankful that we serve a God who can see further than we can, who knows and is always looking out for his church, always looking out for his bride, always looking out for his people, who can see further than we can and who can say, you know what? I don't want you to go here, but I do want you to go here. And we've certainly seen that happen in the life of Courageous Church through the past few years, haven't we? For those of you that have been journeying with us for a while, you kind of know our story. We've been in six to seven different locations in the last two years. So we have kind of felt that. Okay, God, where do you want us to go? What do you want us to do? Here, the Holy Spirit forbids them to go any further. Like Paul and the early Christians our heartbeat is to remain in step with the Holy Spirit, with the Spirit of Jesus. As followers of Jesus, we only go or want to go where we hear and see him lead. Do you guys believe that? 
Do you believe that's the heartbeat of the leadership of this church? I hope you do. We actually see this everywhere in Jesus' life in the Gospels. John chapter 5, verse 19 makes this remarkable statement about even Jesus only doing what he sees the Father doing. Let's put it up there. So Jesus explained to his disciples, I tell you the truth, guys, the Son can do nothing. The Son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the Father doing. Whatever the Father does, the Son also does as well. As I said, this has been the heartbeat of this church from day one to be led of the Lord, to be a, a people that are empowered by the Spirit, led by the Spirit, who hear the voice of the Spirit and who are willing, God permitting, willing to trust him and to follow him wherever he wants to take us. Do you guys believe that tonight? The Lord has been leading us for some time now to take a new step in the direction of what we're calling a new and open door that he has made available to us. As you guys know, we have been sensing for some time now that the Lord's been calling us to take a step closer to Salt, to take a step closer toward Salt Lake City to be a redemptive presence for and on behalf of the many that call SLC their home. And I've spoken to great lengths about this over the past few months, um, especially if you've been with us over the past few months, some of our team nights that we've had, I've shared a little bit of the heartbeat behind what it is that we feel like the Lord has been saying and doing. And tonight we're excited to announce that the Lord has set before us a new and open door in Salt Lake. And it is happening. And it's happening. <laughs> it is happening. Beginning August 7th, Courageous Church is going to be moving to Salt Lake City where we will begin gathering together on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at Wasatch Hills Church right off Foothill Avenue in the I-80 Interstate. And we're very excited about this open door that we believe is from the Lord. Um, a couple of people asked me, we actually have been knocking on a lot of doors now for the last six to eight months. We've had other churches approach us to merge. We've had all sorts of different things happen that weren't the open door from the Lord. And this door opened up wide to us at a time where we've been praying and fasting and seeking the Lord. And we're excited to announce that this is going to be happening beginning August 7th. So a couple things I want to say about this. Um, as you guys know, we believe that this is a strategic step, not our final step, but just another step toward doing and fulfilling what God has called us to do and fulfill in Salt Lake City. And we're so pumped about it. At our last team night, I made this comment, and I shared this with the team that in this next season, the Lord is sharpening our focus, okay? So for those of you that have been with us for a while, you know the mission of this church is to help people become courageous followers of Jesus. And over the last few years, the Lord has been sharpening the focus of our mission and our vision, which is to see people arise shine, to grab a hold of, of the gospel, and to go forth and to make their light shine all throughout this valley. You guys have heard me talk about Isaiah 60. It's been a foundational passage of scripture in this house. But the Lord began to add to this from Isaiah 58. He began to kind of shape for us what we believe has become a little bit more of his prophetic picture for this church. And I'm sorry if my voice starts to go, you can probably hear it. It's starting to kind of leave. But I'm gonna do my best to get through this before it completely shuts off. But I really believe that 
God is giving us greater focus, like to laser sight in on a few specific things. And you're going to hear us talk about them over the next few weeks and few months as we make our move and transition. But one of the big things that the Lord spoke to us about was that we were to be a people of reformation and restoration. Reformation and restoration to raise up the foundations of many generations and to be the restorers of the streets to dwell in. And we see this actually in Isaiah chapter 58, and I just want to read it to you. Verses 8 through 12 says this, Then shall your light break forth like the dawn, and your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you, and the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Verse 9, Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer, and you shall cry, and he will say, Here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger and the speaking of wickedness, if you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then shall your light rise in the darkness and your gloom be as the noon day. Verse 11, and the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. And here we come to the crux of it. Verse 12, and your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations and you shall be called the repair of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. Isn't that good? When I read this a couple months ago, God just set a grenade off in my heart. I just felt like, Lord, this is exactly why you're positioning us in Salt Lake. And right now I've talked with a lot of pastors and Keith and I have talked about this and I've talked with other, other people. We've seen this tremendous vacuum develop within the city where as people have left and as churches have left and as people who have come from other religious backgrounds and ideologies have exited, it's left this enormous void that is being filled with all sorts of other voices and ideologies and influences. You guys agree with that? And part of the calling of this church is to arise and shine. It's to, to speak into that void. It's to shine light into that darkness, to not run from it, to not cozy up in the suburbs, but to go with our swords held high, come on, with our torch and our trumpet into battle to declare that God is the God of all nations. He is reinheriting all the nations. We get to be a part of what he's doing in the earth. We get to be a part of repossessing his land. Come on, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The battle, you guys, it's not even a fair fight. It's not like the devil and God are on like equal scale. No, it's not even a fair fight. The, the, the scales are tipped in our favor. Come on, we have the full armor of God. We have the truth. We have his light in us. We are definitely at an advantage, okay? We have home court advantage is what I'm trying to tell you. And so when I read this, it was like this grenade went off in me and I just saw a picture of this church being a part of raising up the foundations of youth and young people all across the city and the valley. And you guys know, we have talked about it a little bit in the fall, we're gonna be kicking off this new class for our sixth through ninth graders called Equip, where we're gonna help them engage the battle for truth, the battle for identity, the battle for 
whether or not they're going to be a product of culture or a prophetic voice to their culture. And we're going to jump into that and we're going to disciple young people with a fervor and with a passion like never before. And I'm so excited about it. And I'm excited about it because you guys all get to help us do it. All right. We don't have to go looking out there to make disciples. We've got young people in our church already that need to be raised up. Amen. And so I'm excited about this because I think God's going to give us some unique ways that we go about doing that. And then, of course, becoming part of the, the answer to the problem of what's going on in our streets. I mean, listen, some people might say and, and have said, Jason, you're crazy. Like out of all the times in history to plan a church, to do so in a place like Salt Lake City, um, to do so at a time like the time we have that we're going through right now, like what are you thinking the truth is God didn't call, I didn't call myself, God called me. And God has called you. The church is bigger than the building. It always has been. It's about people. Courageous Church has always been about people answering the call to rise and shine in the earth. And so for us, we're excited because we see this as an opportunity for us to come into better alignment with that purpose for which God has called us. And we wouldn't have been here if we didn't feel like that was the call. If we didn't see that open door set before us. So we know the Lord's gonna continue to lead us. This isn't our final step, our final destination. We believe that we're gonna have land and building. We believe that we're gonna possess and own. Um, we, we stand f firm on that promise from God. Uh, this, I had this, this lady in her 80s prophesy over me that God was gonna take great pleasure in providing for this church. And I'll tell you what, he has. <laughs> he has. And there have been times where we thought like, oh my God, what are we going to do? And I'm telling you, like the Lord has come through in immeasurable ways. It's been so phenomenal to watch the provision of God show up. But here's what I know. I know it's going to take more to do what God has put in our hearts to do. I know it's going to take all of us doing our part, serving, loving, giving, stepping up, helping raise up the foundations of young people. Come on, our, our, our work has just begun. It really has. And I know that COVID kind of threw a little bit of a, a wrench in our plans and how we kind of saw ourselves moving from holiday to Salt Lake and all that. We did a little detour, you know, found our way into Sandy and then into South Jordan. But the truth is, you guys, the truth is, is that the Lord has a great calling on this church. And I'm humbled to be a part of it. I'm humbled to serve you guys. I'm humbled to, to be a shepherd in this house. But I believe that we're called to raise up other churches and other church plants and that we're not gonna be the only thing in town. Come on, I didn't come here to build a brand. We didn't come here to build a name. We came here to raise up believers who know who they are in Christ Jesus, who grab a hold of every promise of God that's for them and that live that out faithfully where God's planted them. And so we're excited to see that happen. Of course, you guys know that this is a big step for us in the sense that, you know, shifting from where, what we've been doing on Sunday nights to Sunday mornings is going to feel different. Um, the environment is going to look different. Everything about where we will be will be different, but it's going to be good. It's going to be so good. So I'm excited. I hope you're encouraged. This has been something we've been praying about for a while now. It's awesome when the Lord opens doors, but I also want to say it hasn't come without a fight. It hasn't come without opposition. And for some of you, I think I was talking with Tim and Jen the other day, some of you, you've, you've felt enhanced or increased opposition in your life. Um, maybe in your business, yeah, maybe in your personal life, maybe in, in your relationships with your family or whatever. Here's where I wanna caution us, okay? 
the battle is just begun, okay? <laughs> the opposition is only just begun. This is why we have to continue steadfastly in prayer. I've, I've told this to other people, but I, I really believe that Tuesday night, our prayer, our prayer nights on Tuesdays have been the, the lifeblood and life force behind our church moving forward. What we've seen God answer in prayer and what we've seen God do has been the result of a commitment to pray and to keep praying and to keep believing and to keep pressing in and to not take time off. Here, here's what I think I told you guys a couple weeks ago. But here's what, what, I'm, what I'm most concerned about. I'm most concerned post-COVID that everybody just goes back to doing things as normal and just pretending like the world hasn't changed. <laughs> Have you guys noticed recently that the world's changed? That there's some things that are changing? There's some revolutions happening right now? Have you guys noticed that, that maybe like the things that we used to be able to kind of depend upon or even look to within the, the culture of Christianity in America is no longer. If you haven't, it's time to wake up a little bit. And here's where this should both caution us and encourage us. It should caution us that we don't get sucked into just doing business as normal and thinking, all right, like, well, let's just go back to doing whatever we, no, 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 we can't. We can't do it that way. But here's where it should encourage us. God has set before us a new and open door. And he set before us an opportunity to make a great impact, to make a great difference in our day and age, to be people who serve the Lord in their generation, who answer the call to go all in for Christ. May it be said of this church that we answer the call to go all in for Christ. I'll tell you what, it's going to require a lot, a lot of faith. Where we're going Costs more than what, what this place costs for us to rent every, every week, I'll tell you that much. The, the neighborhoods that we're in, see a lot, of, a lot of flags and they're not exactly American. <laughs> but can I just tell you this, you guys? When Candace and I began to pray about coming back to Salt Lake and we began to pray in Isaiah 60 and I, and I saw what the Lord was doing in it, I began to see people's lives who are far from God, come to know Jesus, begin to see businesses flourish, began to see relationships and marriages restored, began to see children and young people being discipled and, and being equipped in their faith. When I, when I visualized that in my mind's eye, it was almost exactly where the Lord is taking us. And what, I, what excites me about that is that I, you can't make this stuff up. Like, as, as much as we've tried to, like, kick down doors and make things happen in the flesh and the natural, every step of our journey thus far has been led of the Spirit of God. And what's really cool is that God gets the credit. He gets the glory for that. But what's also really cool is that it's an adventure in trust. Like, we don't know what comes next. God gives us just enough right? He, show, he, he pulls back the veil just enough to show us like, okay, we're on the right track. But even then, he's just being completely gracious to us because he doesn't have to, right? Because the righteousness live by faith, right? We don't walk by sight, we walk by faith. And so, so much of our journey has been a faith journey from the start. And I just want to encourage, encourage you guys that if you're at a place where you find yourself just continually feeling like, 
oh, I've just kind of plateaued in my relationship with God, but I want to go deeper. I want to go further. Then God might be asking you to take a step of faith to do something radical, to do something you've never done before. And let the example of this church encourage you in that. As a people of faith, this is going to require all of us stepping out in faith to do this. This isn't just about Pastor Jason or Candice or our team leaders or our executive leadership. No, this is about all of us as the church answering the call to arise and to shine. Do you guys believe that tonight? Are you with me tonight? I hope so. For those of you that are watching online, watching this online or listening to this message, we hope that you're with us. We're excited about this next season and on all that the Lord's going to do to help us as we walk through this open door. Thank you for listening today. If you were blessed and you want to be a part of what God is doing through Courageous Church, including ways that you can give, visit us online at courageouschurch.com.